All right. Today we're going to be uh, looking at the Word of God from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to be reading from verse 21. Matthew 16, starting from verse 21, says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your goodness in this place. Heavenly Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, to allow me to speak as I ought, to give me utterance, Lord. And I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, Heavenly Father, for you to open their hearts and their ears so that this may be a message that changes lives. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. An experienced mountain climber was given a challenge to climb a mountain that has never been, uh, 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 that was the highest peak of the world and no one had ever climbed it before. And they said, and they gave him the challenge and he was excited to receive uh, that challenge. Uh, so he made the necessary preparations, uh, he gathered the necessary equipment, uh, he studied the terrain and he was uh, building his stamina so that he might be equipped for the climb. Uh, then, uh, but he was uh, really excited about the climb because he knew of the rewards. He'd be setting a new record, uh, he'd be getting recognition, and he was really excited about that. Uh, so finally the day arrives and he starts uh, making the climb, and it was a treacherous weather, the conditions were, uh, had steep cliffs, and the air was very thin, the higher he went up, and so he had so much fatigue, so many setbacks and obstacles along the way that he had to figure out uh, to, to uh, pass those obstacles in order to reach his destination. But finally, as he reached the top of the peak and saw the amazing view and realized that he's achieved it, he was really satisfied and he knew that the sacrifices and the challenges and the discomfort that he faced along the way were, were, well, were worth it. Jesus also, as disciples, is calling us up to the high calling. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are setbacks. He did not promise us a problem-free ride, but he promised us a reward. He promised us a fulfilling and, and radical life when we come up top. So when we accept the calling, this high calling to follow Christ, we should know that it requires determination and focus and the willingness to uh, face obstacles along the way. 
But once we get there, we know that it is extremely rewarding. It's extremely rewarding in this life, and it's extremely rewarding in the life to come. So the question he's asking us today is, are we willing to embrace the challenges, sacrifices, and discomfort that come with following Christ? Are we determined to press on when the journey gets tough, or are we going to take a shortcut? Are we willing to live a life fully devoted to Christ? Jesus was telling his disciples in the scripture we read that if death awaits me, I expect nothing less from you. If you are my disciple and you are to follow me, then whatever befalls me will also happen to you. The taking up the cross or the picture of the cross to the people who are reading it at that time is not a too metaphorical as it is for us 21st century Christians. When they hear the mention of the cross, they think of the uh, brutal weapon uh, of execution that you have to carry your own weapon of execution while a mob is jeering at you and spitting at you and then take it to the place of your death. Even the Romans did not employ it to their own citizens, but it was only reserved for slaves and people who are under the Roman colony. So when, if, the, if as disciples we come after him, then we are in essence declaring that we are forfeiting our lives in following his. Because he died for us to save our lives, he's asking us now to forfeit our life so that we can live for him. Uh, so self-denial is following Christ to the death, not denying him in the face of persecution. Um, we see uh, Peter who was challenged in this situation where uh, he denied him three times but later on repented and history teaches us that he died also uh, serving Jesus' purpose, serving the cause of the gospel. So uh, as disciples, we have to be willing to pay the price that is required for discipleship. Self-denial does not mean self-abuse or low self-esteem. Uh, on the contrary, when, while we were taking the Lord's Supper, we were reminding ourselves of our identity in Christ. We have been given a place more than anyone else. We have been called sons and daughters of God. We should be having more confidence and more self-esteem than anyone else because we have the opportunity to call our Father, uh, the, the Lord God, our Father. But self-denial means putting God and his kingdom first. It means prioritizing God and his kingdom. This should have a direct implication on how we live our daily lives. Discipleship is doing the right thing no matter what the circumstances are. If circumstances allow, we do something. If circumstances do not allow, if we skip something, then that's not discipleship. But discipleship says, 
I will do the right thing. I will follow Christ, even if it's not comfortable, even if I don't get rewarded for it. Because our reward comes from him. So self-denial and bearing the cross have literal implication in our lives. After Jesus talked about this in Matthew 16, if you look at the subsequent chapters, you will see that he is uh, giving them practical examples on how they can live out this life. We see in chapter 18, uh, he talks about setting aside self-interest and self-promotion. Uh, you remember the story about not allowing others to stumble. Uh, the story about the lost sheep. He went in search of the one, leaving the 900. Uh, same chapter in uh, chapter 18, we see him extending uh, unending forgiveness. Uh, Peter said seven times, but he said seven times seven. It's like continuously, not, not once. Uh, he, he, in chapters 19 and 20, he talks about renouncing status and modeling the servant leadership of the Lord. They were arguing among themselves, who is greater? And Jesus brought a small child and he said, he is greater. Whoever wants to be greater should, should become less. We should not be seeking status and honor, but we should be serving. So today, I want all of us to ask ourselves, how am I living out my discipleship? How am I taking up my cross in my daily walk as a Christian? We have accepted the call when we received him. How are we living it out? Paul also on, in uh, Ephesians, um, sorry, in uh, Philippians 3, talks about his own journey of giving up for the Lord. Uh, from uh, Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 3, starting from verse 1, he talks about his CV. He says, I'm a Benjamin, you know, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, taught under the feet of Gamaliel. You know, he was uh, talking about his achievements. Starting from verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. For Paul, the only currency was Christ. The only thing worth having was Christ. His boast was Christ. Everything else was nothing, less than nothing, you know. And when you think about those things, they're good things in and of themselves. But he, when he said, in comparison to what I've received in Christ, they are nothing. They are like garbage. It is rubbish in comparison. So Paul 
did incur a cost to follow Christ. Uh, he could have had a thriving uh, career as a rabbi. Uh, he was very close to the leadership. His standing and status in the Jewish community was very high. He was ostracized by his family. Uh, he may have lost family inheritance uh, and all the financial rewards from be being part of that group. Uh, even further, he suffered many hardship as he was taking the cause of the gospel to the Gentiles and many parts of the world. But he said, all these things are nothing compared to knowing Christ. If maybe you've been coming to church, uh, maybe you've heard the gospel, but you're struggling to make a decision because you're thinking, you know, what will my family say? Or what will my friends say? Or maybe the nature of your work does not allow you to make that commitment. I promise you, the rewards of following Christ far outweigh whatever challenges you may face in this life. The rewards continue into the next world. But even while on this earth, the peace and the love that you experience from the Lord are well worth it. But he is asking you, are you willing to carry your cross and follow me? Even for us who are seasoned Christians, we need to rekindle our first love. We need to be able to take a step back and say, what is this decision that I've made? Who am I following? How am I following him? Uh, we are so surrounded with comfort and uh, situations that are controlled that we are so quick to lose our temper when things don't go well for us, so quick to lack faith when challenges uh, uh, are faced and so quick to be disheartened. But when we put following him and carrying the cross at the forefront of our walk, at the forefront of our high calling towards Christ, then these things will pale in comparison. But if we somehow have forgotten our call and we are now focused on the temporal, then when the temporal is shaken, we are also disheartened at the same time. A group of friends went out on a boat trip. It was a luxurious boat. It was excellent weather, very sunny, cool breeze, a very comfortable boat, and they were just sailing. They were eating, they were drinking, they were having fun. It was just an amazing cruise. Uh, but they were so uh, immersed in the comfort of that situation that no one was manning the boat. So at some point, they realized that they had drifted off a bit far than what they had anticipated. And so while they were in their joy, a storm begins to form. Uh, dark clouds began to appear, and the weather changed. And so they were exposed to this changing weather and frantically they tried to figure out where they can get the life jackets and control the situation. But it was very difficult for them to bring themselves back to safety because 
the comfort had made them forget where they were. Sometimes in our own lives, when the Lord provides protection over our lives, provision over our lives, a sense of comfort, instead of uh, taking those times to build a strong foundation in faith, to build our disciplines in Him, to cultivate a deep relationship with Him, we kind of get taken away with the comfort that when challenges and situations hit, we're frantically trying to control the situation, but we've kind of drifted off a bit far. So it becomes difficult because we are not where we're supposed to be. But the Lord, out of his mercy and goodness, provides those situations for us so that we'll have an opportunity to dig deep roots so that we can be growing in our faith and dependence in God, growing in knowing Him and being close to Him, knowing that at the end of the day, He is who we should depend on. Amen. Amen. So what is the call? John 17, we see the Lord praying uh, his final prayer. And uh, in verse 3, he says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. Not the future everlasting one, but he's saying that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Through Jesus' uh, uh, life, death, and resurrection, we have been provided entry into the new life. We have been uh, given access to the Zoe life. So this eternal life is not just about talking about a length of time, but the quality of life. So it is not uh, uh, something that we anticipate in the future, saying, I will start when I get there, but the moment we are saved, we receive that new life. And from that day of salvation up to eternity, we live out the eternal life, that Zoe life, the God kind of life, where Jesus said, that you may have life and life abundantly. That is why he has come. So the quality of the relationship that we have with God is something that we take into the future. It's something that we take with us into eternity. So cultivating a deep relationship with him is important. This is not just a mere intellectual knowing of God, but it's deep, transformative knowing knowing his taste, knowing who he is, knowing his essence, being confident in who he is. So how do we practically apply these things into our lives? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to, and to prayer. Our first call of discipleship is to come to know him. It's to come to know him. And we can only come to know him when we spend time with him, 
when we spend time in his word and when we spend time to fellowship with him. This is what the apostles did. A true disciple seeks to understand and live out the principles and the teaching of Jesus. There's an eagerness that says, I want to be the best disciple I can be. So I want to know your principles. So it is learning about God's principles so that we may be able to live it out. We need to pray because we need God's guidance in our lives. A slave belongs to his master. So we don't do things because it's comfortable. We feel it's the best option. But we say, Lord, what is your will for me in this situation? Give me your guidance. Seeking to hear from him. Discipling ourselves in understanding his ways so that we can practically live out the life of the disciple. Another way is living a life of integrity and character. As disciples, if we are saying we are following after Christ, we're following in the example of Christ, then in our acts, in our deeds, we should also walk in integrity, walk that shows integrity to others. One speaker said, Christians do more harm to the cause of Christ than the enemy could ever do. Christians do more harm to the cause of Christ than the enemy could ever do. If we are persecuted for Jesus' name, it is a testimony for others. Many people globally in communist nations in Muslim nations, they face persecution all the time. I've heard even a story in uh, the northern part of Ethiopia. When you uh, uh, leave the, the Orthodox Church, they say you can't be buried in that cemetery. So this family was a Christian family, and their mother died, and they couldn't find a place of burial in the whole town. So they carried the body in different places. They went to uh, the church. They said no. They went to the municipality. They said no. They went to different places. And when other people saw them suffering, they said, what kind of uh, uh, people are we that we can't even honor the dead? And a lot of people got saved through that. Watchman Nee was a... Uh, 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 missionary in China. He was imprisoned the last 20 years of his life. And periodically, they would take him out of prison and they would take him to the marketplace and they would beat him and flog him and make a mockery out of him. Uh, but all this time, he never said a bad word. He never uh, denounced his faith. And a lot of people in the market, they're seeing them do this to him and they say, he must be holding on to some truth, and many people got saved in that process. But when we end up doing things that do not honor God, then people are going to say that and say, oh, they're fake. If they truly are Christians, they would not live this way. And that becomes a stumbling block. They would say, oh, I don't want your Jesus because I'm seeing him through you. That's why I say you're the, uh, you're the Bible that most people will read. So 
Discipleship means expressing the life of God in, in integrity so that others can see and be blessed by that life, so that others can glorify God. Another way is serving our community. Through the, this project yesterday, a lot of people were able to see Christ through the initiative that our church did. But in each and every one of you, there is uh, someone you meet in your community that you can reach a need, or that you can help someone. And they would say, okay, this person helped me because they are believers. We also need to seek ongoing growth and transformation. Usually our life of discipleship uh, goes a, a certain path in the early days of our Christian life and then we stagnate at some point. But the true disciple is always seeking transformation, always seeking growth because the call is a lifelong conversion until the image of Christ is conformed in us. That is the end. Until that point is reached, then we have to continue seeking uh, that transformation. In the 11th century, there was a, a, a king of Bavaria called King Henry. Bavaria is, a, I think, a province in Germany. And uh, he was tired of uh, his uh, kingly duties. And he said, you know, I want to serve God. And then he went to the church and told the bishop, I want to be one of your priests. I want to serve under you. And the bishop said, uh, what do you mean, king? You are a king. You give orders. But to be a priest, you have to receive orders and you have to submit. He said... As Christ leads you, you lead me, I'm willing to submit. And then the bishop said, well, in that case, let me give you your assignment. Go back to your throne and rule your people with justice. So at the end of his uh, death, it was said that the king learned to rule by being obedient. We are each given a place. We are each given uh, a vocation, an assignment that God has placed us in. And when we faithfully submitting under the cross in justice, in righteousness, in love, in purity, in integrity, serve that position, then Christ is manifested in that. So at the close of life, the question will not be, how much have you gotten? but how much have you given? It won't be how much have you won, but how much have you done? It won't be how much have you saved, but how much have you sacrificed? It won't be how much were you honored, but it will be how much have you loved and served? So let us all look inward and ask ourselves, how am I being a disciple to Jesus Christ? In what areas can I take up this call to carry my cross and to follow him? Let's all rise to our feet and pray. Hallelujah.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We magnify your name, Lord. You are mighty God. You loved us and sent your son to die for us first. You gave us a call of love. You took the first step of carrying the cross and dying. Give us the grace to follow boldly in your footsteps, Lord. Give us the strength to embrace the high calling that you have placed in our lives, to seek you, to seek your ways, to carry our cross, to die for ourselves, to deny ourselves and put your cause above ours, to put your cause above any situation. Give us the strength and the wisdom to overcome challenges and obstacles, not to shy away, not to turn away, not to choose the easy road, but so that we may be able to follow you. Heavenly Father, give us the closeness and the hunger to seek you so that our satisfaction comes in knowing you and knowing you alone. Give us the hunger to draw close to you day in and day out so that we may be able to know your taste, know your love, know your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Draw us ever closer, Lord. We thank you, Lord.